Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skellett, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. The crusade from Europe to to Israel was littered by a intense persecution of Jews, and they would wipe out entire Jewish towns. I mean, there was intense anti-Semitism, and the Reformation didn't bring any relief. I mean, people like Martin Luther and John Calvin and others, they were largely anti-Semitic. I mean, Mm -hmm. they hated the Jews. They viewed the Jews as those that were the enemies of Christianity because they killed the Messiah. So, I mean, this anti-Semitism has been pervasive in the Muslim world and in the Christian world historically. Yeah, it's, it really is just astounding to see the the extent of anti-Semitism. And of course, it's been brought back to the surface here recently. But you're right. It's in every corner of the world. What It doesn't matter what country you're in, what um, you're even, even right, religious groups, Muslim, Christian, even on the political spectrum, you see that the farther to the edges of a political movement you get, the more anti-Semitism seems to take a prominent part of, of their, their platform. And it's and it really is almost illogical in a way, right? The, you, the way you see people scapegoating Jews as responsible for the world's problems or somehow nefariously pulling the strings, and it just really becomes this this boogeyman of sorts. And um, looking at saying, hey, but this is this is this is not so much a political battle as it as it is a spiritual battle. That's it. I think allows us to really see you know see these things for what it is. Um, so as we're talking about scattering and then being brought back and and God's has brought and continues to bring back the Jewish people to the promised land, the actual physical promised land. Um, what, what, what else do you see there? Do you want to get into the, the kind of the more of the, the uh, recent history with Israel and, well, and let, let, me, let me just say this. Okay. So yeah. like in, in the chastisement, you know, so I, I guess the, the big question would be, well, if everyone hates Israel or God's, let's say God's people, historically, if there's been this historic anti-Semitism, which, I mean, just in recent, when I say recent, let's let's say the last 500 years of history, I mean, it, it's the story of how the, the Jewish people have just been, I think about 1492, you know, as, as kids, we looked at 1492 as, oh, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, Ferdinand and Isabella. We ha- almost have this uh, almost warm and fuzzy idea of Ferdinand and Isabella and, and discovering the new world and all of that. But it was in 1492, the very year that Columbus was sailing to try to find the the, the Indies, that, th- that Jews were expelled from the Iberian Peninsula. Well, it's 1492 in Spain and four years later in Portugal. You talked about our guide in Israel, Avi. He's a Sephardic Jew, Sephardic referring to Spain. So his ancestors settled in uh, in Iberia. That was their part of the diaspora. But they were kicked out and they all went across the Gibraltar to um, to Morocco. So the Jews have just everywhere they've they've gone, they've been persona non grata. 
whether that be the, the pogroms of the 1800s or the, the Cossack uh, massacres of the 1700s or the Holocaust of you know the, the, the 1940s, it has been very clear that anti-Semitism and the persecution of the Jews has been something that is, is true, it's real, and yet it's something that God has used because absent that persecution, there would be no inertia for God's people to come back to the, to the land. So because God's people have been very content, think about even that when, when they were given the opportunity to come back from Babylon, most stayed. And yet one third of all the Jews in the world, higher than that now, close to one half of all the Jews in the world are now back in Israel. Now, why? Because of, I think, because of persecution. Yeah. And the, the whole Zionist movement, you know, founded by guys like Leon Pinsker and, and Theodore Herzl and, you know, the, the rise of the World Zionist Conference back in the late 1800s and, and some of the seminal books for the movement, like the Jewish State or Self-Emancipation, you know, all of that came because of the incredible persecution levied by Russia and, and Poland and the way by which God's, uh, God's people, the, the, the nation of Israel, the, the Jews were uh, just demoralized and, and put into ghettos and, and what's called the Pale of Settlement. And, and interestingly, many of them fled to Germany and and... But but it was through all of that, providentially, that God gave them the inertia to want to come back and, and resettle in the in the land in, in in the land that was rightfully given them thousands of years ago. Yeah. You you were talking about persecution, it brought back to my mind going through Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Israel. It's a I mean, about as sobering a place you could ever visit in your entire life. Just mm just unspeakable, but it's really interesting. And I've, you, you see this with, um, cause there's a great Holocaust museum in DC as well. And anytime you really start to delve into the Holocaust or any sort of persecution of the Jewish people, you see the, um, the propaganda that goes along with it and kind of mm -hmm. the depiction of the Jewish people and, mm -hmm. and just how, how anti-Semitism comes through in this way where it's a dehumanizing thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's characterizing Jewish people as this horrible, nasty thing. Then you get to, you you meet Jewish people just like anybody, and you realize people are people, no matter where you go. Right. And it's great that we're we're talking about seeing these things from a biblical perspective, right? That everything that 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 the Jewish history, uh, everything that the Jews have been through in their history, has all had the hand of God leading them through in in the good times and the bad times even in the times of persecution that God's had a, a purpose behind it. So, so can we, can we talk about like framing our opinion and framing our view of what's going on with Israel, both recently in history, how do we make sure that we're framing our view in a biblical way? Because everybody's got an opinion. You right. watch Fox news and there's an opinion there. You watch MSNBC. There's an opinion there. You talk to your coworker, opinion you talk like everybody you know everybody's got an opinion everybody's got a viewpoint how do we make sure we're continuing to elevate to a biblical perspective and say okay yeah sure we all may have a thought or two about what's going on how do i make sure that i have god's view of what's going on yeah well i think part of it is 
I, I think all of us need to be more biblically literate and 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 f allow our opinions to be formed by or informed by our understanding of Scripture. Uh, that's not to say that you know God is blessing Israel today because you know somehow she has rediscovered God. Um, Israel's a, as you know, you've been there with me several times. Israel is not, I mean, you have the Orthodox Jews, which are a very small segment in Israel. Um, but, you know, the, the general Israeli today is very liberal uh, by social, uh, from a social perspective, um, very secular. Uh, so this is not somehow we're, we're supporting Israel because, wow, Israel recognizes her purpose again. And she's regathered to, you know, now embrace the Messiah. None of, none of that's happening. Uh, so as believers, you know, as, as, as Bible believers, we have to step back and say, we do see this as a process by which God is bringing his people back uh, to a place in honoring of the land promise but the, the greater issue has yet to be resolved. And that is that, that God's people would see God's plan, that the, the nation of Israel would recognize that Jesus is indeed Messiah. They missed him. Uh, there will come a day, according to Zechariah chapters 12 through 14, when, when Israel will see the one whom they have pierced and they will sorrow as one that has lost their, their, their only, their, their firstborn son. So there's coming a day when Israel as a nation will recognize Messiah, but that day is not today. So when, when I take a pro-Israel stance, I do that because the Bible promises that God will bless those who bless Israel. And they're, they're, the nation of Israel does have a right to that land because part of the promise to Abraham was a land promise. But I don't want to become so Israel, 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 that somehow I'm spiritualizing who Israel is today. And Israel is a group of people that are blinded to the gospel. Uh, they desperately need the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ to shine upon them. You know, as Christians, we need to keep the main thing the main thing and not just so much that, you know, talk militaristically and talk nationally as much as we need to be engaging in these spiritual conversations. And you know this, you know, I have a great burden for many of my colleagues in Israel who, with whom I work, guides and land agents and uh, hotel employees and people I've met in, in my visits to Israel. And, and, and my heart for them is that they would understand, you know, who they are biblically. And they would understand that it's not it's not anti-Jewish to receive the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. So just trying to frame all of this in a, a, a much bigger uh, picture. Yes. Yeah, I, I appreciate that you gave some clarity around, you know, there's there's a difference between the nation state of Israel, how it exists today, and the Jewish people. The Even though there's a lot of overlap there, that we are talking about two different things. And it's important to note that even within you know, current day Israel, not everybody that is an Israeli citizen is Jewish. There are a significant portion of the population that is Arab or Druze. There's there's other people groups in there. And sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, a criticism of the nation of Israel is not the same thing as being anti-Semitic. And that, that on its face is a true statement. But mm -hmm. I think what we're seeing now is uh, 
people are showing starting to show their their true colors, right? A lot of the what has been parsed as just a criticism of Israel. I'm just criticizing the nation of Israel, the nation state. I'm not, you know, I'm not being anti-Semitic. What we're trying to say is when push comes to shove and you see this Israel-Gaza conflict, that really it does come down to, no, we, we hate the Jewish people and we don't right. want them to be there. And we, you know, and so, um, but it, but it, it, it is, it, it does become difficult, right? Because it's a much more nuanced conversation when you start talking about Israel in the in the historic biblical sense and the Jewish people versus you know what the current nation state of Israel is and it's not always just a one to one um, comparison. So that, that, that's a great distinction. Uh, I'm glad that you 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 made that distinction better than I did. So thank you for that. But but I would also say this: we need to be careful. I say we we, we that you know our pastors and we need to be careful not to be dogmatic about what any one individual battle or political episode represents. You know, I can mm -hmm. say things like, wow, this certainly seems to be a, a harbinger of these last days. It certainly seems to be something that is um, maybe, I, I personally believe in a, in a coming rapture. I believe in a literal seven-year tribulation period, to use that term. I believe in the literal return of Christ with the saints to this earth. I believe in a literal millennial reign. So I can say, wow, I see all of this as neatly fitting into God's timetable, but I have to be careful because the same God that scattered Israel in the first place and brought her back is a God that can scatter her again. I don't I don't know, know that this is the time and people say, well, the battle of Gog and Magog could be upon us. You're right. It could be, but it could not be too, you know? So we have to be very careful about being dogmatic about time frames and, you know, who the, we think the antichrist is and, and all of that. It's not Henry Kissinger because he just died. So, well, but we don't know. Maybe is he really, <laughs> or did is, he, is he, is he really dead? Yeah. Or did he? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and even Antichrist, you know, we, we, we want to look at yeah. him as being this diabolical person, but let's understand biblically, Antichrist will, will emerge as a friend of Israel. He will yeah. emerge as one that is on the opposite side of Gog and Magog and those yeah. that are viewed as the enemies of Israel. So we have to be careful about all of it, don't we? You, you don't want to get out your chart? You don't want to get on the whiteboard and give us where we are here in, no. in the book of Revelation? No, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I have why is that, why is that so appealing? What's that? Why is that so appealing for people? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I, I think it becomes a major distraction. You know, we, we become so enamored of, you know, the, the what ifs of our Christian lives that we somehow justify not doing the what is is of the Christian life. You know, and I, I really do feel like. All of this, uh, Gaza and October 7th and uncertainty and what's Russia doing? Does Ukraine involved? And I hear saber rattling from Iran and what's Hezbollah going to end up doing? And what's happening with all these riots in, 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 in Britain and now, now in Canada and even in our own nation and, and I, all these question marks. And I think it comes back to, you know, we've got a job to do as a local church and as a as God's people and that is to reflect the glory of God to a world that doesn't know him uh, to to be in prayer to be gospel focused 
not necessarily to be sidetracked by the things that we can't figure out or the inevitable episodes in history that God through his providence is bringing about. We can't control those things. But what we can control is being a, a witness to our next door neighbor. And mm -hmm. we can engage in gospel conversations with coworkers. And honestly, when you read the New Testament, and it references the coming of Christ and end time events, whether that be the persecutions in First and Second Peter and James or the events chronicled in Revelation, it always comes back to the same application thought. And the application thought is seeing then that all this stuff is going to happen, then how should we be living? And what should our priority be? And how we should loosen our grip on things that don't matter? And yep. how we should have a biblical perspective about the gospel. And so I think there are some some really good takeaways. Yeah, that's a that's a great explanation. I think there's just something in, inside of all of us that would much rather focus our time and energy on things that are outside of our control than the things that are within our control. It's it's this oh here, here we go. I, I found a way to, to tie it into finances. So here's our one little financial thing. Okay, good. I find it very often it's easy to worry about where is the market going and what's going to happen with the economy and what about interest rates and what about inflation. And these are all things that you cannot control. Mm -hmm. And what I always try to bring people back to is, okay, sure, I, I don't know. I don't know where the stock market's going to go next year. I, I don't know what the Federal Reserve is going to do. I don't know who's going to be elected our next president. What I do know is here's what we can do today to set ourselves up for financial su success tomorrow. And similarly, kind of that, and I, I, I was joking a little bit, um, well, I definitely was joking about the, the the chart and all of that, because I think there's a segment of Christianity that just loves to just go down the rabbit trail and 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 speak with great confidence that, okay, this is exactly what's happening, and this person is Gog and Magog, and this is, it's going to happen like this, and you see, and, and, and what's, I think what's compelling about all of that is we love to know we love to feel that we, we love to feel a, a sense of control, right? Like I know what's going on. I see exactly what's happening. It's the same thing that draws us towards conspiracy theories, not trying to equate revelation with conspiracy theories, but I'm saying like that idea of like, Oh, the world is a very scary place and it's complicated and lots of things are going on and I don't know everything that's going to happen. But if I can find this one thing that sort of spells it out for me with great simplicity, all of a sudden I feel better because I'm not a sheep anymore. I'm, you know, I'm I'm one of <laughs> I'm one of the enlightened ones and all the other people, they're clueless and they don't see it for what it really is, but I see it for what it is. And and it's just that and, and what and, that what that is though is that that is this desire in all of us to want to have a lens that makes it make sense. Yes. And and I think that's kind of where we began today. Mm -hmm. And the lens that makes this make sense is God has this overarching purpose for mankind. You know, he created us. We blew it. He initiated a redemption plan. And that redemption plan is beautifully outlined through God's promise to Abraham. And, and, and that plan, that meta narrative of the Bible, that Jesus loves us and that God loved us by sending his son and that there's hope in him a Jewish Messiah that's been offered to the Gentile world as well. And when we keep that in mind, you know, there that that's the lens that makes all of this make sense. And so I guess the question, if if I'm listening today to this, I think that the best takeaway for me would be, okay, 
wow, this is all kind of upended me. What's happening? What's going on? Well, that's part of what God wants you. God, God does shake us. God does want you to feel a little bit of, ooh, I can't put confidence in this political systems and, and these international alliances. And I don't, yeah, that's part of it. God's shaking you so that you'll see his word is what you can trust and his plan is what we should be focusing on. Yes. So even though we 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 joked a little bit and said, you know, let's not get too dogmatic here about is there anything that we could take away? Like what what with what's happening right now? Is there any takeaway? Not trying to make predictions here, but are there any are there any significant prophetic events that we that the current conflict might be a, a harbinger of or or pointing towards? I guess like not to say so we we don't want to be like dogmatic and oh we know exactly what's going on, but at the same time we don't want to dismiss biblical prophecy and how what's going on with Israel might be. In, you know, uh, related to that. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and I would say uh, what, what has happened in th this event is all of the biblical players are having a part. So for instance, you know, Russia is, is uh, tying in with Iran. And, you know, if you really do want to talk about Gog and Magog, you know, again, I wouldn't be dogmatic, but, but I think that this is going to be a Russia, Iran, alliance. I do think that there is going to be uh, an attack on God's people. Uh, there are going to be the armies of the South. Uh, Antichrist is going to be on the side of brokering a peace eventually. Uh, so is that what's, is, is this the flashpoint for that? Is this the, the political, geopolitical episode that is giving rise to those alliances? Maybe, maybe. And I think the, the maybes uh, are are good things for us because they they put us in the realm of Lord I don't know but the answer is still the same and the answer is wow God your word is true uh, you've been faithful the only thing that matters is living in light of eternity and all of this is reminding me I'm not in control you are so I better do my part and that's what Israel didn't do. And God had to use the school of hard knocks to, to do some things that she should have been doing. And mm -hmm. that's the lesson we ought to be learn, learning as New Testament believers. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, I think especially as the, the Cold War, right, with Israel and then leading into the Cold War and just kind of our, our modern day uh, political environment, the rise of more of awareness on the part of especially American Christians about end times and revelation. We see these things happening. They seem to fit within you know, what we're seeing in revelation and this increased awareness that, you know, we could be headed into a tribulation period. We could be headed towards the millennial reign. I think it's, it's, it can prompt one of two responses in us. Right. And there, I think there's a segment of Christianity, unfortunately, that's more taken the idea of, wow, the world is scary and it's scary and it's getting scarier every day. So let's kind of bunker down and have this mentality of, you know what, not too long now we're going to be in heaven. So, you know, we're just going to kind of batten down the hatches and we're just going to wait this thing out because it's it's about to get good for all of us, you know, that are in the cave. Mm. Or there is that response of saying, wow, this is crazy. There's a lot of things going on. I don't totally understand it all, but I know that God's in control. And that means that I can boldly step out and live my faith in a confident way and let others know. And it should actually, it shouldn't drive us to fear and to disengagement. It should drive us to boldness and faith and more engagement. And yes. we can take it either way. And I think our response to it tells us more about ourselves than it does about the world and what God is doing. So I, I think that's 
I, I think that's a very important uh, point to consider for all of us. Yeah, yeah. My, my, one of my favorite passages is Second Peter chapter three. And the day, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day that means the the, the era in which all of this is going to happen. Day refers to a time period. But then the heavens are going to pass away. The earth. I mean, it. It. I mean, God is going to do some cataclysmic things. And then, but but the applicational thoughts built in too. Seeing then that all these things shall be passed away. What manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God? So what what should this do? This this ought to this ought to give us a pause to look at our own lives and say, boy, am, am I living the kind of life that that I ought to be living? Am I living a life of, of close fidelity with the Lord? And then uh, is this giving me a greater confidence in the word in the word of God and in the plan of God? I'm looking for and hasting under the coming of the day of God. You know, am I longing for that day? And then I think, as you said, you know, am I disengaging or am I engaging with people that are now asking questions that were never asking questions? Because I can promise you there are people in your life, listeners, viewers, there are people in your life right now that are listening and asking questions where, where they weren't before October 7th. And so let's not miss the opportunity that this conflict gives us in evangelism. Yeah, yeah, well said. Well, as as we try to wrap up this conversation, I mean, there's so much yeah. here. So I, I, I feel bad because I feel like there's so many things we could talk about and so many different angles. And obviously it's a very, it's a very, uh, it's not, this conflict is not just something that came out of the blue. This is something that is, that is his, historic and there's, there's a lot of components to it, but I did want to finish on, on two things. Number one, just kind of practically, how is this affecting Israel and, and, and what's going on there? And then, and then personally on a personal level, how is it affecting real people's lives? So let, let's start with the first one. Obviously, since this happened, you were doing trips to Israel. Those, of course, have been canceled. And 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 it seems like, you know, we're still kind of relatively new into this. But um, how is this affecting what's happened with, with trips to Israel, people going to Israel? I think there's some people, again, there's real lives at stake here. I don't, I don't want to be trivial, be like, but when am I going to get to go to Israel now? You know what I'm saying? But I think there's that's a very real question in people's minds, like, What's going to happen here? How will this be resolved? Will it be re resolved? Will we ever return to a day where people can be able to, to to visit Israel again in normalcy? What are your thoughts or observations on that? Yeah, I mean, you, you might be surprised, but people are already going back to Israel. Israel, oh really? Like yeah, they're, they're already there are there's a there's a German group right there now with one of my land agents touring the country. Um, I. Uh, I'm trying to organize a, a group of people to to join another group at the end of January. They're going over and just being a blessing to people. It's not so much an Israel trip per se. There will be some sightseeing, but um, the the issue right now is really perception because traveling in Israel is safe. It, even today, it's safe. Um, I, I fully expect that our all of our trips that we're having to Israel, I've canceled through February, but I've not canceled anything beyond that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think trips even in May, June, certainly in September, October, uh, are likely uh, to take place. And I think the only thing that would inhibit that will be people's perception. In many, mm -hmm. in many respects, Israel is safer now and will be safer as a result of the incursions in Gaza than she ever was. I mean, think about it. That's where any rocket fire was coming from. 
And and when you know when you hear about rocket fire, I know you know this, uh, Nate, but your viewers and listeners might not know. I mean that that's been part and parcel to Israel for the last twenty five years. And there's always this when they say rocket fire, these are these indiscriminate little rockets that land out in the middle of nowhere, and the Iron Dome takes care of virtually all of them. So th- there's really not and there's not been an issue going to Israel with safety. And going forward, I think it'll be safer than ever. So, for instance, some of my friends and land partners are saying with the neutralization of Gaza, you know, it really will be a new era of safety and traveling to Israel from that perspective. Now, God can do his thing, you know, and Gog and Magog can take place. But the point is, uh, as far as Israel travels concerned, yeah, it's affected me profoundly from the standpoint of being able to service people and take them there. But I think the day of going back is sooner than later. Yeah, I did. I did not even realize that. I, it was something I wanted to ask you about, but I I had not talked to you recently about what's going on in Israel, and and that's interesting to know that people are already back. Yeah, I'll I probably, think I'll probably go myself in February. Uh, gotcha. And a couple of people want to go with me, but I just just to demonstrate, and and all of our friends in Israel are saying, please come, please yeah. come, because there's this perception there right now that it's like this you know, you're going to get bombed on and just not, they're living life normally. Uh, right. So there's coming a day soon when I want to be among the first to be there to show our solidarity. Yeah. I think, I think uh, first time I went um, or at some, some point along the line, you, you had explained it to people and it's the way I've explained it to other people in, in, in the past, because it makes a ton of sense. You know, people say, man, you're going to Israel. And this is of course, even before October 7th, people are like, Oh, but is it, is it safe? You'd be like, of course it's safe. It's 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 very similar to how people outside of America view the United States when they hear about, wow, there was this shooting in Chicago or, you know, how many people were killed in Washington, D.C. last year or, you know, like and then when people or, or Los Angeles or New York and then you say, or oh, the, yeah, or, or the World Trade Center. Would you go to New York City? I mean, there was a terrorist right. attack and 3000 people died. You know, you have to frame it. Right. And so when 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 people when you talk about going to places like that, like even Australia, I remember, I, I don't remember who it was specifically, but a friend in Australia, they, they were coming to the United States and people in Australia were telling them, you better be safe. You know, people get shot in America all the time, which, you know, from us, we'd be like, that's kind of ridiculous. Like you shouldn't like not come to America because you're afraid to get shot. Like, yes. Okay. We understand that that happens, but it's not something that, that we're walking around every single day, like in fear for our own lives for like something that like that happening. But anyway, I, I felt like that was a good analogy and and a good perspective on all of that. On the personal side, obviously, a lot of people have been affected and and tragically, many, many innocent people, people that have nothing to do with this conflict, non-combatants. And how how have you seen, because you know people in Israel, how are you seeing people being affected personally by everything that's going on? Yeah, so you're dealing with a much smaller nation. If you're talking about 8 million people, then everybody knows somebody. I mean, think about that. We live in a nation of almost 350 million people. So uh, this is up close and personal. Everyone has a cousin. Everyone has a friend. Uh, The reservists have been called up. Uh, One of my dear friends in Israel, a Messianic Jew there, you know, whose brother is serving down in Gaza right now. So it does affect everybody. It, it, It touches everybody. It would be kind of like the, the the civil war time in our, our our nation, where it just seemed like every single family was affected by the conflict. That's what's happening there. So I would just say, on behalf of my friends there, just be in prayer. Uh, there's not just the there's the emotional side of it. 
there, there's the there's that fear. And, and most of my Jewish friends there do not know the Lord as their savior. So there's not that inner peace of the Holy that the Holy Spirit provides. And there certainly is not any understanding of God's overarching plan. They they don't see that. The most secular Jews don't view any of that. They just view this in terms of political maneuverings and, and military strength. So they're not even seeing much of what we've talked about today. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's, I, I know for sure there's some things that you talked about in your original talk, which by the way, is that something that would, that would be available if people want to go and watch that? Let me see if I can find that. And if I okay. can, then maybe we can put the link in. in yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. And and if people want to watch that original talk, you just kind of walk through it all, um, you know, from, from start to finish uninterrupted, uninterrupted by me. That would, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> And I know because I know there's some things that you probably covered in that that we didn't get to today. But to just kind of put a bow on this conversation, what do you want people to know? You know, given everything that's happened with Israel and Gaza and the headlines and the news and the fear and all of that, bottom line, what what do you want people to know as it relates to what's uh, Israel today? Yeah. So I would say at an emotional level, don't be shaken. Uh, and matter of fact, God's word tells us that. Don't, don't be shaken by this. Don't, don't be shaken by this. Understand that the God that was in control when Israel was in Egypt or Babylon or Persia or wherever is the God that's in control today. And matter of fact, I would be encouraged by what's happening because all of this is part of the unfolding plan. Let, let's be careful uh, not to vilify people groups. Uh, Palestinian people need Christ. And they come to Christ more readily than Jewish people do. Uh, so I don't want you to read into what I'm saying to think that I have some kind of a, a, an antipathy for the people of Gaza or uh, even the people of Hamas. You know, Paul was a terrorist to the Christians and God saved him and God can save terrorists today. Uh, there's a, a great book I'm sure some of you have read called The Son of Hamas. And so God can be using this in everybody's life. And that's the wonderful thing about the scope of God's plan is that he loves everybody. He wants everyone to come to, to Jesus. And we need to be praying for every single person involved. Now, that said, I think it's important for us to understand God's purpose for Israel and to understand that even modern day events play a part in, and we see clues of that purpose even today. It's a good word. It's a good place to end. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Dad, for uh, coming on the podcast today. It was really, really helpful.